Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, open a Bible, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can find it in the Pew Bible on page 818. 818, 2 Corinthians 5. I don't know about you, but I love New Year's. Because it gives all of us a time to start fresh. We just saw that. It's a fresh start. It's a new beginning. It's a time that we can look at last year and we can put it to rest and say, it's over and let's not think about it anymore. Let's start fresh. Let's look for the new year and what's coming in this new year and what God wants to do in our lives and with us this year. And it gives us a chance to stop and just kind of look forward. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have some kind of a New Year's resolution, goals, things you want to do this year? Raise your hand. All right, that's pretty typical. Uh, the good news is 40% of Americans are going to make some kind of a New Year's resolution. The bad news is only 8% are going to do it. That means the rest of you are going to do what you did last year. You realize that? If you don't have anything new that you're going to do, if you don't have any new direction for what you're doing, a year from now, you're going to be doing what you did yesterday. You'll be the same. Do you want to be the same? Does God want you to be the same? I'm going to really challenge you today to think about this year and what God wants you to do this year in your life for him. Okay, I got one more question for you as we start out. I wonder how many of you consider yourselves, and, and I'm going to ask for a raising of hands, are you old, new, or improved? Okay, how many of you are old? All right, a couple of you are old. <laughs> how about new? Wow, nobody's new. Okay, how about improved? All right, good. Well, I did some hunting in the Bible to find out what God has to say about old, what God has to say about new, and what God has to say about improved. Do you know there's one word that is non-existent in the Bible? Which one do you think it is? Improved. So you're all non-existent. Okay, sorry, but you don't exist. If you're improved, you don't exist. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't want us to be improved. In fact, in God's eyes, there's no such thing. Improved on what? You know, I was watching TV yesterday, and this, this uh, commercial came up. It said, new and improved. That's a misnomer. It's improved on what? The old? Then it's new. You can't be new and improved. You can either be new or old and improved, right? You can't be new and improved. You've got to be old and improved or new. See, it's, and we all bought into this. And it's not even true. God challenges us. Where are you going to be in, 2000, or in 2010? Are you going to be old or new? And every one of us are going to have to line up on one side or the other. Okay, let's start looking in the Bible. We're going to really dig this year. And we're going to really get into the word this year. And I'm going to challenge you over the next four weeks... We are going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I would like to ask you in the next week to start reading through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Read it all. Because the more that you read and learn and understand, when we take a small section out, you're going to go, okay, I think I'm really understanding this. 
See, I want you to take ownership of your faith. And I want you to start doing some things to get yourself ready so that when you come into worship and you come into the Word of God and you open up the Word of God, you're ready. You're ready to learn. You're ready for what God wants to speak to you. And so over these next couple weeks, start reading through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Find verse 14. It's way down at the bottom there in the right column. Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Did you catch that? God says that we, when we are joined with Christ, that we are no longer to live for whom? Ourselves. But for whom? But for him, for God, and what God would have us to do. Verse 19, or 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, okay, here's the key. You know, anytime God says, therefore, listen up. God says a lot of amazing things, but when God says, therefore, pay attention, that's the thing to underline, because it's kind of like all this is leading up to this very next verse. Therefore, say it with me, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Okay, now, when I ask you a question, are you old or new or improved? This is where God wants to speak to us. Because we just read that when you're in Christ, you're no longer old, but you're what? You're new. Now, this is what it means to be old, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with age. It has to do with the time that we lived before Christ. Isn't it fascinating that our whole calendar is surrounding B.C. and A.D.? B.C. before Christ. It's the same that God considers that when we don't have Christ, before we were in Christ, we were living in this old way. This old way was all about us. It was all about me. It was all about what I want. It's all about my life. It's all about my money. It's all about me and my two friends, myself and I. Right? But God says when you're new, then that has to pass and we have to go A.D. Now, A.D. doesn't mean after death. It actually is a Latin term, anno domine. Now, I, I really, for the life of me, I'm like, what does that mean, God? What does that mean? And then my Spanish kicked in and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. Año is year, domine. In Spanish, that would mean dominion. What does that mean? It means after A.D. would mean the year of the one who has dominion over all. We say the year of our Lord. That sounds nice, but it's not. It's the year of the one who is the Lord over all is what it is. So 2010, we just began the year 2010 of the time when God has dominion over all. And my question is, is does God have dominion and lordship over your life? Because if he doesn't, then you're still living in what? 
B.C. So my challenge for you is I want you to come to grips today. Start the new year out well. If you're still living B.C. before Christ and don't have a relationship with Christ, then start today and say, I don't want to live in that. I don't, that's, that's old. God says, that's death. But I want to live the new life. I want to live the life that God has for me. And that's making him the Lord of my life. Then you're living A.D. Okay, now what does that mean? I want you to hold this spot. We're going to turn to a couple of things here. Just the next book later is Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Let's see what God says about this old. Page 826. Page 826. In the left column, under where it says, live life by the Spirit, find verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. I want to pause there for a minute. Did you catch that? These two lives are what in, what's the word God used? Conflict. It means they cannot exist together. That we're either going to live the old life without Christ. Or we're going to live the new life with Christ. And because they're in conflict one another, you can't take a middle road. And I think sometimes for you and I, what we want to do is we want to, we want to be in the middle. Can I just live my life in the middle? You know, like do a little bit of stuff that was part of the old and add a little God to it. You can look this up yourself, but in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, God says this, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. See, you can't be there. You can't just live the old BC life with a little God and say, I'm improved. Can't do it. Now, what is this old life? Galatians 5, let's go on. Verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, that's binge drinking, idolatry, Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? Those who live, that's a present participle in the Greek. And what that means is that those who are living and continuing to live that way, and it's their lifestyle, it's who they are, they're going to continue living that lifestyle and really don't care? Let me ask you, is that a B.C. life or is that an A.D. life? Which one is it? It's a B.C. life. God says if you're going to continue to live in a B.C. way, even if you are in Christ, if you choose to continue living the way that God doesn't want us to live in a B.C. life, God says, you're in trouble. Because this is defining. 
God says, by our words we say we know him, but by our deeds we deny him. Actions matter. So are we going to live B.C. or are we going to live A.D.? Which kind of a life? Okay, now let's go on because uh, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now let's go back to kind of that question I asked you earlier about how many of you have goals, resolutions? Because if you say, I don't have any, which life are you living? See, you will very naturally slide back in a BC lifestyle. We have, we have a world that is desperately trying to make themselves the center of their own life. They want to take God out of it because they don't want to live the way that God wants us to live. And so if you choose not to live the way that God wants you to live, then the very nature is to go which way? This way. And it's something that you will fight against and struggle against and wrestle with every day of your life. You never get to the place where you arrive. You never get to the place of saying, I never have to try anymore. And if you think you're there, you're over here. <laughs> right? All right. Hold, like I told you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hold that open. And I want you to turn to one more place in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4. In my own devotions, I began reading through the Bible and I came across this verse yesterday, and I was astounded. You know, it's funny when God just kind of jumps off the page, and you go, wow, how did I miss that? Sometimes we throw stones so much at Cain, the story of Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. God said something to Cain that I don't think my ears ever really listened to. And yet I think God wants us to hear this. Genesis chapter 4, I want you to find verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What does that mean? If you set your heart to living your life with Christ, where's sin? Right at your door. Begging you to open that door. Tempting you to open mm -hmm. that door. Trying to get you to open that door. Just to dabble just a little bit in the BC life. And God said to Cain very clearly, it desires to have you but you must master it. See, that says to me that this A.D. life is not easy. It means this A.D. life means I need to set my heart daily to live the way that God would have me to live. It means I have to every day of my life wrestle against sin, which is always at the door, always knowing how to tempt me. 
and I have to wrestle with it and struggle against it and fight against it and say no again and again and again. And the day that I stop is the day that I begin to slide. And that's why I want to challenge you. Don't go into the new year just kind of going with the motions, going with the flow. God wants us to make a very conscious choice to hit the new year with resolutions to lead a godly life and to be in Christ. Okay, start going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, something we're going to do. I challenged you before to start reading through First and 2 Corinthians, but now I want to teach you a little bit about Corinth because I think whenever we just read a little bit about it, we don't, we don't get the full effect. Uh, if you could bring up that first slide, I'd like to teach you a little bit more about Corinth. Because if you get a grasp of Corinth, you're going to understand a little bit more fully what God's trying to teach that church. And I think there's a lot of things that God wants to teach our church in terms of what's going on. All right, now, let me just kind of walk you through what this means. Corinth is right here, if you can see that. And over on this screen, Corinth is right there. Now, what happened is that the ships who were sailing all in this area never wanted to go down here and go around. Uh, it was the only way to go. They had to go down through the south, but they hated to go through the south because when they went to the south in the Mediterranean Sea, what would happen is that these, these winds would come up almost like hurricane force and they would drive the ship further south and oftentimes was destructive to the ship. And if you may recall in Acts, it's around chapter 23, Paul talks about his journey on the ship when he was actually journeying on the south and he was coming from like way down here and kind of going along over here to Rome and they got caught in one of those storms and it was, it was almost deadly for them. They lost everything except their lives. So what would happen is that they would go into this port right here. Now go to the next slide. Here's a closer look. Now they would, the ships would come into the port either on this side or on this side. They would come on either side and then they were stuck because of the land. There's 3.9 miles in that land from one side to the other. And when they pulled in, they created this thing back around 4 or 500 BC. What they would do is they would bring the ship up on shore, put it on these stone rollers, and they would drag the ship 3.9 miles over to, from one side to the other with no hydraulics, no motors, you know, no cranes, no nothing. Just sheer brute strength. Now, what does that mean? That means that it was attracting a whole kind of people to Corinth. If you were a big guy with some strength, there's a job for you. And so it was attracting a lot of people. But not just those kinds of people. You see, when there's lots of money flowing, it's a lot like Las Vegas at night. Now, I haven't been there at night. I haven't been there since I was a kid, but I can just tell you all the stories that people tell me about with Las Vegas. But Las Vegas attracts everything in the BC life. And it all comes out after dark. And you have alcohol, and you have drugs, and you have sex, and you have prostitution, and you have everything bad in B.C. And that was what Corinth was. 
Now, Corinth had one more issue going on. Uh, go to the next slide. We'll get a little bit closer. You could just see. Now, if you notice now, see there's a channel there. Uh, this is actually an island today. Never was before. They always tried to build a canal for hundreds, actually thousands of years. They tried to build a canal. Nobody could do it. Nobody had the technology to do it. Now, you wouldn't think digging a trench is all that difficult for a, for a ship. But look at the next slide. Here's why it was so hard. Look how deep it is. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind started looking at this going, I don't get it. Okay, I don't get it. Because, go back to the last slide. If you have sea level and sea level on both sides, how could it be so deep? Well, it starts out at ground level. And you know, it actually goes up to 213 feet above sea level right at the middle. Can you imagine pushing a ship 213 feet up in elevation in a two-mile stretch? How hard that would be? Now, Paul knew that this was bad, this whole thing that was going on. There was no church there. Christ wasn't there. They were living B.C. And so Paul decided that that would be the perfect place to start a church. Way to go, Paul. It's kind of like a church that started in Las Vegas. You see, if you go to Las Vegas, my understanding is that there's no churches along that strip. They're all outside. But do you know there is a church on the strip now? You know what it's called? Strip church. Isn't that a great term? Do you know who goes into that church? A lot of, a lot of people going in there wondering what kind of a strip church this is. But actually they're there to bring Christ to the people there that need it. And their ministry is at night, not during the day. They're doing the same thing that Paul did. Paul went into this community and was challenging this community. And challenging them to live the way that God would have them to live. And it was really a challenge. It was a challenge because those that did come to Christ, oftentimes when they became, they crossed that line and they came to Christ, they would slip right back into this. Why? Because this is where all their friends were. See, now with that in mind, look at chapter 5, verse 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has a relationship with Christ, if anybody has entered into that relation-saving relationship with Jesus Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God. See, we can't take any credit. Friends, I want to ask you a question about Jesus. When Jesus came into this world and took your sins upon himself, did he do that so that you could keep living B.C.? I think that would be appalling. It, Jesus came and took all of our sins, all of them, and put him on the cross and loves us and took us out of BC and he placed us in AD where he can have dominion, where he can have his lordship, where he can be the God of our life and the Lord of our life. And he wants us to live here. And the bad stuff he took away. Do you realize that when God looks at you, he doesn't see one sin you've committed. 
Not one. He put those on the cross. And when God looks at you, he sees everything that's left, which is only good. And as we start this new year out, he says, the bad's already gone. You don't have to fix the bad. You don't have to go back and do anything. It's gone. Start new. But be careful because sin's crouching at the door. And it wants master over you. But Jesus came to give us life and have it to the full. And his spirit indwells us. And he gives us a new life and a new opportunity and a new beginning to live in A.D. life. The year of our Lord. If you still have no resolutions, friends, don't let today go by before you say, all right, God, you challenged me today to be in A.D. life. What do you want me to do in this year? What do you want me to do? Because if you don't have a goal for this year, you're probably going to slide back into a BC life. Okay, now I got to ask you again before we finish up here. How many of you are old? No, don't be in the old. No, 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 not age. Don't be in the old. How many of you are still living that life before Christ? How many of you want to live that life before Christ? Okay? How many of you are improved? Yes! Nobody. Okay, this is going to really challenge you. Because, you know, if you say, I am new. Christ made me new. Then what does God want for you this year? Let me show, show of hands. How many of you are new? Amen. Let's pray. God, you have challenged us today to be a new creature. You made us new, God. We didn't do it. You're the one that took our sins to the cross. You're the one that forgave us. God, there's so much we're going to learn from this church in Corinth where everything was B.C., and yet you came in your amazing way and brought new life and new hope to people that were living that B.C. lifestyle. God, now you're challenging us to live in our world, in our life, in our workplace, in our homes, in everything that we're doing, you're challenging us to be new. Not perfect. We can't. But we can live it with you, Jesus. We can keep striving against sin. We can keep striving against those things that, that keep wanting to drag us back into a BC life. And God, we know that we're going to fall. We pray that you would pick us up again, make us new, and then challenge us to live that new life in you, Jesus. We pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen.